You're listening to the Quince podcast. The scale of devastation brought on by the second wave of COVID-19 is undeterminable. As the current infectious strain of the virus continues to snuff out lives, upend healthcare systems and weaken the economy. Though the Indian government has denied the possibility of a complete nationwide lockdown, multiple states are extending the curfews and existing restrictions to curb the spread of the virus. Majority of the states are allowing only essential services to operate and requesting companies to opt for remote working, as a result of which some industries like retail are already incurring massive losses. The economy is witnessing a contraction on the back of weak economic indicators in response to local restrictions. Data from the Confederation of All India Traders CAIT testifies to this. CAIT's research estimates that the retail traders across the country have suffered to the tune of Rs 3.5 lakh crore, while wholesale traders have faced losses worth Rs 1.5 lakh crore. Unemployment rate in India has also taken a hit, with the Centre of Monitoring Indian Economy reporting on 4th May that the second wave has left as many as 72.5 lakh people jobless in India in the month of April. In today's episode, we will unpack how the Indian economy is faring amid the raging second wave, how severe has the impact been compared to last year, and whether it could have been avoided. To answer this, for today's episode, I spoke with Pallavi Nahata, who is the Associate Editor for Economy at Bloomberg Quint, you will also hear from Sonal Verma, the chief economist at Nomura, a leading financial holding firm, and Dr. K. Srinath Reddy, the president of the Public Health Foundation of India. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Imad. As India battles the second wave of the virus, one aspect which is in direct contrast to last year is the way lockdowns and restrictions have been structured by state governments. Interstate and intrastate movement is still allowed by many state governments, commercial activity is on and businesses, though not working at full capacity, are still operational, which prompts the question of the correlation between mobility of people and economic activity. Pallavi Nata, the Associate Editor for Economy at Bloomberg Quint, states that economic activity has declined largely due to localization of lockdown restrictions compared to last year when the entire nation was closed for business. Essentially, like you said, there is still a massive difference uh, between the lockdown and its stringency that we saw in the first wave and in the second wave. So, for instance, the Oxford stringency index uh, was at 100 uh, in April last year. Uh, and uh, in uh, uh, I think when I last checked, data was available until mid-April when the index was at about 70. Uh, so, like we can see, the last time we were in a full-fledged national lockdown, so as to say, uh, while this time around lockdowns are uh, 
a lot more localized and also uh, from each state to state there is a clear difference in the kind of guidelines that state governments have been putting out uh, like you know for instance a lot of them this time round are making sure that they try and uh, leave economic activity relatively undisturbed to the extent possible so industries are still permitted to function uh, unlike what we saw the last time uh, so yeah uh, essentially the lockdowns this time are still expected to be a lot less damaging than what we saw last year uh, because of all of the reasons we've been discussing however uh, a lot of industries such as the contact intensive industry uh is uh, almost as badly hit as it was the first time round and uh, that may be a particular pain point because even as other high frequency indicators had shown signs of recovery uh say in q4 fy21 uh contact intensive services remained that one uh, segment which were yet to recover to pre-pandemic levels and even before they were able to do so we have the second wave and irrespective of the difference uh, in uh, restrictions this time round contact intensive industry continues to be uh, hard hit even in the second wave uh, what what you said about mobility uh, well yes this time uh, the uh, the correlation between mobility and economic activity also uh, is a little weaker and a little bit unclear when compared to the last time uh, so that again is because of difference in guidelines from state to state less stringent lockdowns uh, and also the fact that people are a lot more tuned to uh, you know being able to work from home make uh, other kinds of arrangements to you know uh, be able to work even with the kind of disruption that uh, we have been seeing because of uh, everything that's happening around us as pallavi said high frequency indicators are suggesting that some weakness has creeped into the economy due to the restrictions explaining the performance of key economic indicators pallavi tells us how the indian economy has fared in the month of april this year the impact of everything that's happening around us still remains very unclear there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, but economists have begun to cut their gdp growth uh, forecasts for uh, fy22 there is expected to be uh, some kind of an impact we still don't know how bad because there is still hope that whatever we're losing in terms of uh, demand in this quarter can be made up for largely in the remaining year uh, assuming of course that we are able to bend uh, the uh, curve uh however uh, like you rightly said we are seeing signs of weakness creep in in multiple high frequency indicators let's go through a few uh so for instance the mg nre ga that is the government's flagship employment guarantee scheme um has seen consistently high demand uh because of people people using that as a fallback option in case of not having work uh and in the month of uh, april particularly it was the demand for work under the scheme was at the highest since july 2020 so over 4 crore uh, people demanded work under the scheme in april 2021 compared to say about 3 and a half crores in the preceding month 
Likewise, unemployment also inched up, though not by that much. However, what was noteworthy was that this time as well, uh, urban areas are continue to remain uh, worse off than rural areas. Uh, though we have seen the pandemic spread rapidly even to rural areas this time, one particular uh, indicator that was of concern was e-way bill collections, uh, which essentially gives us some sense of the movement of goods uh, across the country. And uh, that indicator was down by almost about 17.5% on a month-on-month uh, basis in comparison to the previous month, while some of it may be because uh, the previous month happened to be March, it was the end of the financial year, and hence saw a little bit of an increased activity. This large contraction definitely does not, uh, you know, help us explain, uh, uh, you know, it can't entirely be because of, uh, you know, higher activity in the previous month. It, you know, it, there are clearly signs of a slowdown there as well. Uh, then again, another logistical indicator was truck rental prices. And uh, there again, we saw rentals fall by 18 to 27% across major routes in April 2021. Uh, demand for fuel has uh, eased according to preliminary data. Uh, of course, like, like I mentioned at the beginning, there are still other high frequency indicators where demand has held up uh, better than expected. Uh, electricity happens to be one of them. Electricity consumption is a particularly important indicator. Data for this is available on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and electricity demand has held up surprisingly well so far through the month of April. Though we did see some kind of a weakness, uh, it, it continues to remain volatile. And it's still a little bit hard to come to anything conclusive, at least on the basis of that. Likewise, there are other indicators as well. Uh, manufacturing PMI held up. Uh, we got data for services PMI today, that is on Wednesday. And uh, both these continue to remain well in expansion zone and well above their long-term averages. Uh, so that was a source of hope. Uh, another indicator which uh, held up relatively well was foreign trade. Uh, while there was a little bit of a decline month on month, uh, economists believe that that is also because of seasonality. And uh, when accounting for that, uh, merchandise exports as well as imports uh, seemed to have held up well. Now that we understand the ground reality of what the economic impact has been, the next question which surfaces is how the Indian economy will move forward and how government authorities should respond. Answering the first question, Sonal Verma, the chief economist at Nomura, a leading Japanese financial holding company, explains how the economy may be impacted in the future. You know, as we are seeing the rolling uh, lockdowns uh, across states uh, and, you know, we are starting to see some plateauing in uh, cases in Maharashtra, and as other states and people do behave more cautiously, there should be some further flattening out of the aggregate uh, curve uh, sometime in uh, May. I think once we do actually uh, see a peak in daily cases, the question is, you know, how should public authorities respond? And, you know, one key lesson really from the first wave and having combated the virus during the first wave is that you don't need to open up all the sectors of the economy. I mean, there are particular sectors particularly the contact intensive services, which are more susceptible to virus transmission. 
So you don't need to lock down an entire industrial sector in a particular state that can continue to run. Uh, but the segments that are most are sort of drivers of, you know, sort of super spreader sectors, so to speak, uh, there needs to be some uh, stringency that has to be maintained in those sectors until we accelerate the uh, vaccination process. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, while the uh, reduction in activity this time around will be there, it is going to be much lesser than what it was uh, in the first wave. Similarly, when we come out of this uh, second wave, we cannot see, you know, a complete opening up and a V-shaped uh, recovery because we have to allow, uh, you know, sectors, specific sectors to open up and go back to normal, not everything to immediately go back to normal in terms of lockdown uh, stringency. Uh, and importantly, from a medium-term perspective, you know, the key solution really is to accelerate vaccinations, which uh, clearly is going to be key to how quickly we can open up the contact-intensive uh, services sectors. You know, I think, you know, it does look like a challenging quarter and, uh, you know, the experience from other countries is there will be third waves, there could be fourth waves until vaccination truly comes in. Uh, but uh, as things stand, I think... Uh, uh, looking at where the uh, you know trend is for India's growth, I think the trend uh, is still headed higher in terms of the business cycle. And I think the big picture view is still that this is going to be a bump for uh, two months, maybe three months, uh, but nothing that really derails the business cycle uh, that is uh, starting. Let's get to the second question on how government or public authorities should act to support the decline in economy. On 5th May, the Reserve Bank of India Governor Shakti Kantadas held an unscheduled press conference announcing wide-ranging new policy measures to help support COVID-related industries. Pallavi breaks down what the RBI press conference entailed. So, uh, yes, like you mentioned, uh, today's uh, press conference was uh, unscheduled uh, and uh, it was essentially because of how quickly the situation has escalated from the last monetary policy meeting uh, up till today. And essentially, uh, what the uh, RBI governor announced today were a whole host of liquidity measures, uh, which were aimed at uh, facilitating the flow of credit and uh, protecting uh, financial institutions. So essentially, you know, there were some measures uh, announced such as the second purchase of government securities uh, for an aggregate amount of 35,000 crores under GSAP, uh, again, essentially uh, to facilitate liquidity and to uh, bring down uh, and stabilize bond yields. Uh, then there was a, a term liquidity facility of 50,000 crores uh, to ease access to emergency health services. Now, this was uh, intended at a whole host of institutions and people, right from uh, pharmaceutical companies to pharmacies to people who may have seen an escalation in how much they have had to spend on uh, health and medical expenses and hospitalization maybe and all of that. Uh, so essentially what this measure uh, intends to do is to prioritize uh, lending to these uh, segments. 
so that uh, institutions and people are better able to cope with everything that is going on right now. Uh, likewise, there was also a resolution framework for COVID-related stressed assets. This is expected to benefit MSMEs. We had a similar scheme last year as well, and now uh, that has uh, been extended uh, as you know the second wave is expected to uh, result in even more uh, stressed MSME assets. Uh, then there were uh, uh, smaller measures such as rationalization of compliance to KYC requirements, uh, again expected to help people, you know, with and reduce uh, visits to banks and things like that. Then there was relaxation in overdraft facilities for state governments, largely an extension in that so that they're able to better cover the cost they are going to be incurring on uh, the second wave, vaccination and all of that. As government agencies scramble to support the economy, the virus at present is not showing any signs of stopping, with the country reporting over 3.8 lakh cases on 5th May. However, multiple scientists have pointed out that warnings of an impending wave were given to the government in March, when a highly contagious variant of the virus, which was first discovered in Britain, was also reported to have travelled to India. So the question is, can this economic slowdown be averted? Dr. Keshri Nath Reddy, the President of the Public Health Foundation of India, weighs in. Well, let's look at it. Uh, even by early January, we knew that the British or Kent variant B1117 had arrived in India. It had already been identified in India. And also there were some few small spikes coming up in some part of some states. The later variants that were identified uh, B1617 in uh, Maharashtra and B1618 in Bengal, they came up later. But even by on the British or Kent variant, we knew that it was 70% more infectious, that it was principally responsible for that wave that uh, struck Britain at the end of last year. So once we detected it in our country, we should have been warned. In fact, on January 12th, the Deccan Herald published an interview with me in which I was asked specifically about the possibility of a second wave. I said, yes, we must be cautious against the second wave because firstly, the variants are here and I don't believe in herd immunity as having a right. So we have to observe all caution at least till mid-summer. So it's not as though we were not warned. Our scientists had detected the British variant by that time. It's only the other variants came up by March. So taking all into account, we should have been far more cautious and we should have observed our guard at least till midsummer to know what the trends are both within India as well as in other countries. India has been reporting over 3 lakh cases every day since 21st April. And as several states struggle to contain the virus, Multiple states have now extended the restrictions as well. With low confidence in consumers, demand of goods and services is witnessing a sharp drop denting the economic growth. And the situation can worsen if the states opt for stricter containment strategies. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com.
Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 